0: Welcome back for episode 27 of Self-Signed Artist. Today, we're talking to Katie Gallagher about making the leap and going full-time with your career as a solo musician.
1: You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts... Kobe Nelson and Jake
0: Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. And today we're sitting down with Katie Gallagher, a talented singer-songwriter who recently released her debut EP as a solo artist after playing in a band for many years and also in the last year Made the leap to going full time with her music. Welcome to the podcast, Katie.
1: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you here. And we've got a lot of stuff that I'm excited to talk about in this episode because I think it's going to be inspiring and good for our listeners to hear specifically. So within the last year or a little over a year, you started building a career as a solo musician. And I mean, a lot of people would agree, I think, that 2020 is a challenging time to do that. <laughs> and I definitely want to talk about that. But first, before we get into the more recent stuff, I like to ask all of our guests about their start making music. So, how did you get started? making music at the beginning, and what kind of led to where you are now, if you can just give us a little bit of a background for yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. So I was really into music, theater, just kind of all of the arts in high school. I've been playing piano since I was seven, so 20 years now. Wow. And so that's been, that was like a classically trained sort of thing. I got really kind of bored with classical music around middle school, high school, and so I started writing my own stuff, learning more like contemporary stuff. And from there, I had a few very like small band projects in high school. But when I moved to Albany for college, I met Alec Lewis, who we did Honey Slider together. Mm. And that was in 2012. Um, We were both auditioning for Rent the Musical. Okay. Yeah. And we, we kind of found out that we were like, oh, yeah, like we like theater, but we really like, you know, like writing music and that side of things too. So that's kind of where that sort of became like a serious venture for me
0: cool so you so you sing obviously you mm-hmm. play piano do you play you play guitar also though
1: yes yeah and all your, how
0: did you start out doing that? how did you kind of transition to that?
1: so I started I learned guitar because I think it was hard for me to um I think it was like hard to write the kind of music that I wanted to write on piano for a while like I wanted to mm-hmm. write more folky, um, like finger picking stuff and it's hard to keep rhythm on piano with just a person and a pianist. Or just, you know, you know what I'm saying. So I was like, I should probably learn guitar and it'll be easier to be a songwriter that way. And I've kind of gone through phases ever since of writing more on piano or guitar.
0: Yeah. How do you feel like that has overall influenced your music switching back and forth between instruments? I feel like most people, like from a writing standpoint, have kind of one instrument that they stick on. And Mm -hmm. that can really change what comes out from a writing standpoint if you're switching from guitar. To piano. How do you feel like that has influenced your own music?
1: I think I have two very different styles that can somehow meld together well, but I have kind of like the Broadway classical background and I've gotten into a little bit more like jazzy, almost R&B style when I'm writing with mm-hmm. like those types of chords on the piano. And then guitar is just like straight folk pop rock so I think it really depends on which one that I decide to pick up or sit down with that day. Right. Yeah. And whatever song comes out kind of melds from there.
0: Nice. Did you play both in your, your past bands? So like you mentioned, you were in a band called Honey Slider mm-hmm. that started in college. Yeah. You were doing both in that in that band?
1: Yes. I was doing mostly piano because then Alec was doing lead guitar and we actually in and out had a few rhythm guitarists play with us as well. But then every once in a while, there was a song that just felt better with me on guitar and no piano in it. So we would mm-hmm. throw that into to the set sometimes too.
0: Nice. So tell us a little bit more about the, the band part of your history and how that sort of developed. How long were you playing in bands and, and doing all that type of stuff?
1: So I would, I was doing like little acoustic duos since I was 16. So about 11 years. Honey Slider, we had like the idea for it back in like 2013, 2014, but we really like formed the name and the band in 2016. So that was about a four year process.
0: Okay. And so since then you've kind of transitioned over to solo, are you still playing with bands at all, or is it kind of all solo at this point?
1: It's like 99% solo. Um, I actually have a great group of guys. We call ourselves Katie and the Gallaghers, because I couldn't think of a different (laughs) name. Um, But that's uh, Josh Morris, Dan DeCav, and Ben Whittle. And they are the group of guys that helped me record the other instruments on my solo EP. And since then, I mean, they're also my friends, so it was very easy to just kind of get together and... we. We played one show at the Linda um, back in August that was like a live stream, which I think there's at least two videos on YouTube. I got to put the rest of it up there, but that's all on there. And it's really great recording because it's the professionals at the Linda. Mm-hmm. And we played another show at Albany Distilling Company. And that was kind of how I rounded out the season back in September.
0: Nice. Yeah. So you're still doing some of the band stuff a little bit, mm-hmm. but... Primarily solo. So what led to the decision for you, at least, to, to go solo with your music? Was that something that was kind of always uh, a career goal for you? Or is that something that sort of developed over time?
1: It was honestly never a career goal. I didn't I couldn't imagine performing solo and having that same effect as a full band. Mm-hmm. And I still can't to an extent. Like I, I just love like driving drums behind. It like gives a lot more energy. But it had come to the point where I was like seventy-five percent sure I was gonna quit my job and just focus on music full time and I obviously couldn't ask my bandmates to play four or five nights a week and still work their full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So and I had been doing all the booking and marketing for us anyway, so I was pretty well well-versed with like how to book gigs and which venues to reach out to. So I started booking my own solo gigs in like May of 2018, I believe. And then from there, it was easy to kind of transition to less band gigs, more solo, kind of depending on what the guys were up for.
0: Right. I think that's kind of an interesting thing that you're you're talking about how it can be difficult without having the band behind you to carry the same energy. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like there's something about a a solo artist that doesn't necessarily mean you can't play with other musicians. Like even with your solo music now, you're you're still playing with these other musicians and everything like that. So what makes a solo artist a solo artist, I guess, is kind of an interesting question. Yeah. It's almost like it has more to do with how you're putting it across from a marketing standpoint, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like you can still have all these other musicians contributing to... A, a project and even the writing and all of that stuff. And it really kind of comes down to perception as to whether it's a solo project or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find that from a writing standpoint, being a solo artist versus being in a band has, has changed things a whole lot, or do you kind of approach writing in the same way?
1: I think, and this isn't no fault to my bandmates at all, it was kind of my own thing, but I think I was nervous to Be completely genuine in what I was writing when I was in a band because you have other people that you got to make sure they like it, that it's their same vibe. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of just making sure that everyone's on the same page all the time, which can get a little exhausting. And so I think now that I'm doing solo stuff, I write a full song and then I just give it to the guys that are playing with me now. And I like, it's kind of like here's a song now add to it instead of here's an idea now we we all put it together. Right. So I think that's the biggest shift and that's made me more confident in what I write and liking what I write too. So that was huge.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting too where you don't have you're not speaking for everybody necessarily because it's your name mm-hmm. on it at the end of the day yeah. so you can say just what you want to say and Everybody else can contribute to that still. So I do want to talk a little bit also about your decision to go full time with music, because I think that's a huge thing that a lot of artists are looking to do. That's kind of their end goal Mm -hmm. or not end goal, but the main goal that they're pushing for quitting the job, getting rid of the nine Mm -hmm. to five and just pursuing music full time. So can you tell us a little bit about that? decision for you and what led to the decision feeling comfortable? I think a lot of people just feel, even if it feels like it's the right thing to do, it's still a scary sort of thing. Can you just walk us through that for your career? I think the
1: two biggest things that were helpful were that I have parents who are very supportive of it. And so I feel like with a lot of times there's like the You know, like music isn't a sustainable career or there's just a lot of, you know, uncertainty there. And so family and friends can be not as enthusiastic about that decision. Mm. But my parents were really awesome and were just like, you know, if you're going to do it, do it now. This is the time. And I also I had built up such a great community of other artists and, and in all aspects, photographers, like painters, just different artistic people who I could watch following their dreams with it. And I remember being at a New Year's party and Arielle O'Keefe, Girl Blue, we were just talking and, sh- and she had been doing music full time at that point. And I was like, you know what? By the end of this year, I'm going to quit my job. And then that was kind of like the catalyst to really take it seriously.
0: Yeah, I, I really like what you said about the support structure, too, because I mean, that's something that resonates a whole lot with me. I've had a whole lot of support. I'm not building an artist career for myself, mm-hmm. but still a career in music. Yeah. Jake, I'm sure you can. That resonates with you as well a lot of support and that's really needed to make this a career just being in music because even with that I think sometimes it's scary because there's always that perception even outside of your like support group where I don't know you can you can tell that people sort of feel weird about going full-time with music and it's not always viewed as like you said a sustainable thing or Mm -hmm. something that you can actually support yourself with yes So like we mentioned, family, friends, fans, those are all a big part of that. But I think the other thing that I think is really important about what you said is that a community of other musicians and also Mm -hmm. even like mentors are equally important. So are there any other people that you can point to that have been most influential in your career in music so far?
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so many people and it's so interesting too, because not all of them are musicians, but just like my friend Nadine Medina owns the Troy Dance Factory and she just as another, like a business owner. And I guess it's, it's different because like I didn't make an LLC or anything, but there's still like the licensing of your music and just like all the background logistics and marketing, those kind of things that it's really great to watch other people do well. And like, Mm put that energy and that work into their passion because it is a lot of like, all right, you're going to spend nine hours today doing all this stuff that you're not getting paid for for the two-hour gig that you do get paid for. Right. So having that self-motivation and seeing other people around me be self-motivated is huge.
0: That is huge. And I'm really glad you actually said that because even as a podcast where we're talking about approaching an artist's career from the business side of things and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that's something that we don't always talk about, that extra time that you're putting in that I don't know, you can view it as not getting paid for. But ultimately, it's super, super important. Can you Mm -hmm. walk us through a little bit of what goes into that time that you were just talking about? Like what types of things are like the behind the scenes stuff that you feel is really important to building your career, but that other people may not actually be aware is going on?
1: Yeah, I think Definitely just like research. So listening to a bunch of music, seeing how other people in my area and in other areas are building building up themselves and like, I guess their brand for lack lack of better words, just going to see a lot of live shows is huge too. And I mean, that's obviously really fun, but seeing how other people are doing it. I think that I probably made all the venue connections that I have made by going to venues and introducing myself to the managers or the owners, you know. It's a lot of like getting your face out there and networking, which I do enjoy, but is a lot of energy and time. And then of course right. there's actually writing the songs and practicing your instrument. So,
0: yeah. Is there any sort of strategy that you have behind going about doing that, going and building the connections or is it just kind of showing up in a, a place, introducing yourself, being a people person, mm-hmm. like that that type of thing that goes into that? Or are you like laying out a plan in any way for areas that you want to build connections in or anything like that?
1: I think it definitely started that way. Uh, I used to work at McGeary's Pub in downtown Albany, and so they had a lot of live music. I actually did my first like Albany performance there by just doing their open mic night, and then that turned into singing at their blues nights and then booking a show, and I think that was kind of the catalyst for other local areas and then it was really just kind of looking online seeing what other people um where other people were playing and then going to either see my friends play at venues or just showing up and being myself and seeing (laughs) what happened so right
0: being a part of the community that's a i feel like sometimes we get trapped into doing things only for like the career benefits like Mm -hmm. you're you're going to a show to like make connections or whatever and and network and all of that but it's also important to remember that you can contribute to the community and just be mm-hmm. part of the community too and that's i mean that can be beneficial for you as well but that's another important part of an artist career that i think we forget about
1: yeah and it's all you know small businesses and it's it's bars and restaurants that i want to support venues that you want to support so just all of that interacting together is awesome and then the bars and venues will suggest you to other places so it's it's a really mm-hmm. symbiotic relationship
0: yeah also a little bit ago you mentioned circling back a little bit mm-hmm. about other art forms too and that being some of the the inspiration and the influence, at least from a business standpoint, mm-hmm. is that something that you've ever played with too? Like collaborations outside of just music?
1: Yeah. So my friend Kiki Vasilakis, she does all my photos and I do just a lot of collaborative work in terms of photography with her and then music videos from the guys at Chromoscope. And it's nice because it's people that I actually like to spend time with outside of our collaborative projects. So you get to know someone as a person and it just feels that much more genuine to then create art with them. Mm. So with the pandemic, I think a lot of people were more excited to like find new ways to still collaborate. And so Kiki started doing things with poetry and I was kind of messing around with that. So I think it's mostly like music, poetry, videos, photography. Kind of all over the place. I take a dance class now. Just anything to get that creative
0: art out there. So Yeah, I think that's really important just from an inspiration standpoint, too. Just it's really easy to kind of, especially within a genre, Mm -hmm. like dive super deep into the genre. And all you do is like listen to that type of music and interact with those people that are involved in that type of music. Mm -hmm. And that can sometimes be a little bit limiting, I think, from a, a creative standpoint where... You can lose creativity because it's all about like focusing in on this one thing. So that's something that I think is a a great thing for artists to do is just to reach out even outside of music Mm -hmm. and find ways to collaborate, get creative with people. And that's also a way to expand a network. Everybody knows somebody who's involved in music as well, even outside of music, obviously, people are uh, connected. So that can be a, a really helpful thing for a career. Definitely. You also mentioned coronavirus, which is kind of an unavoidable topic Mm -hmm. these days, especially in the music business. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've had so far within your career? Would coronavirus be one of the top things, I'm assuming? Absolutely.
1: So it's funny because we had started recording my solo EP in February, Mm -hmm. and we had Everything completely done except for like the finishing touches. I think it was just the vocals on four of the five songs and then coronavirus hit. So we were so close. I was like, if we had started this a week earlier. (laughs) And so we took a break for three months, but that actually was awesome because back in June, when we felt comfortable getting in the studio again, we were able to look at all the songs in a completely different way. And Mm. I think some of the songs ended up just like orchestration wise, the way that they are because of that break. So that was really nice. But I did, I did have to go back to my previous career because of coronavirus, which has also been kind of a blessing because I'm a mental health counselor. Oh, cool. And this is really a good time to be doing
0: that kind of work. So yeah, it's important work right now, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something that can be sort of tricky. Like when you've made a transition to going full time with music, I don't know. It, even within a pandemic, I think sometimes for people, it can feel it can feel like going backwards mm-hmm. to go back to a career outside of music to make ends meet. But I think there's still something to be said for that, just being able to adapt. And I mean, it's, it's impossible to predict how things are going to go in the future. Yeah. We don't know if there's going to be a, another pandemic or another something that's going to affect the music industry in the way that it has. So I think being able to be flexible, adapt and then still use that towards furthering your music career. Like I think it's really interesting what you said about the kind of break in the recording process ending up actually being like contributing to the music. It was a time to kind of work other things out and and could elevate the music in the end. Yes. So I think that's really important for artists to hear as well because it's one of the things, I mean, if you're if you're thinking about transitioning to a career in music full time, then you look at the coronavirus and you say, "Well, what if something like that happens?" Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's not the end of the world. You can still continue making music, continue furthering your career yeah. even when something like that happens. What do you think for artists who are looking to do that, looking to transition to full time? What do you think is the biggest barrier in a lot of people's minds? Like, was there any hesitation for you when you first decided to, when you first had that thought that like, I'm going to quit my Mm -hmm. job and I'm going to make this a goal to be full time by the end of the year? Was there any hesitation or what other barriers do you think most artists feel in that decision?
1: I think what it is, it's like, is what I'm writing and what I'm doing important enough to be what I'm doing all the time. Mm. And it's when it's a passion and a hobby, it's something that you enjoy for yourself and maybe other people enjoy too. But then when you make it a career, it's something that you're almost forced to make sure other people enjoy because it's how you pay your bills. So I think the biggest factor that made it possible for me to do that was I joined a wedding band. And that's really great money, really great connections. It's it was really fun. And I think some people sometimes feel like doing anything corporate or not your own original music is like, you know, like selling out or anything like that. But I think it was a really great way to exercise my skills and to continue making consistent money while working on my my solo stuff.
0: And that's still working on. I mean, you're as a wedding band <laughs> performer, like you are getting a master's degree in like performance, you mm-hmm. know, and like engaging an audience like that yes. can be huge. So a little while ago, we did an episode on imposter yeah. syndrome. And I think that is a huge thing that a lot of artists deal with, especially when it comes to that sort of leap, mm-hmm. like m- making the jump to going full time, quitting a job. That's when all those thoughts start to creep in. I know for myself, there's been a ton of that in yeah. switching over to a career in audio. Jake, I'm sure you could <laughs> you could attest to that also. Like that's oh yeah. A big thing that we've both had to deal with a whole lot. And I also think it comes down to kind of the idea of like the golden handcuffs too. Like I don't know if, if you've heard of that as a phrase where the your job becomes sort of like a, a security blanket mm-hmm. almost. Letting go of that seems like a huge risk in that if you leave your job or or whatever, maybe. As soon as you do that, no money will be coming in from the music right. stuff and then you're stuck. So that can be a really big mental block for mm-hmm. a lot of people. I wonder if you can talk about that at all for yourself, like how how is that something that you can overcome and I don't know, see see the potential even when you're maybe giving up a job that sort of pays the bills.
1: Yeah, I think just knowing that it's not always going to be consistent was huge. I kind of looked at what my year what my year would be like based on what my past like five or six years performing had been like. And you know that around April to November, everyone's booking weddings, like you're doing everyone wants outside patio music, and you're probably going to be working Thursday through Sunday and just kind of looking at it from a logistical perspective and knowing that all right, you're going to have some pretty lean months and to budget for that. And then also in terms of just like the imposter syndrome thing, I think as long as you can believe in what you're doing and you get that genuine joy from it that other people will too. Right. Sometimes it's hard to see that. Exactly.
0: In all of that, in building this career, what do you think is the most important quality for an artist to have in order to be successful? Is it that just believing in yourself making music that you can 100% get behind and say like, this is me? Or is it some other quality that you think is the the ultimate thing to help you make that transition?
1: I think that's definitely one of the biggest ones. I feel like some other things are are coming up as I'm thinking about that question. Honestly, too, just like, Being okay with not having any motivation certain days and then Mm -hmm. pushing yourself back into it. Because I think especially right when coronavirus hit, everyone was like, oh, we have all this free time. You're stuck in your house. You should be creating and making all these amazing things. And I did not even touch my piano for like a month and a half. Yeah, And I can't even really explain why. I think it was just like knowing that I wasn't going to be able to perform live for a while. So letting yourself have those days because pushing yourself to do it when you're not feeling it isn't gonna be productive, but then also knowing that you have to be consistently working at it. So that's kind
0: of an oxymoron, but (laughs) finding the balance there. Well, I think, Jake, you can chime in on this too. I think we both relate to that seriously, (laughs) especially like the coronavirus part, uh, when that kicked in, feeling like, okay, I have all this free time, I can be doing this, I should be doing this, and I'm not like, Jake, can you talk about that at all? That's something that we've talked a little bit about.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my story is pretty much the same as Katie's. I didn't, I, I didn't write for even longer. I, I probably, I didn't start writing until recently because for the same reason, like I really love performing, probably not for exactly mm-hmm. the same reason, but I really love performing And it just felt like, oh man, like this is going to be happening for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was, I just, I just couldn't pull inspiration from anywhere. Mm -hmm. I think that's all it was, honestly.
0: Well, a big part of that too, is like all of a sudden everybody lost all of their human connection too. I think a lot of us, even if it's a a subconscious thing, you're pulling inspiration from other people that you're surrounding yourself with. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're not surrounding yourself with anybody. (laughs) And all of that can kind of, feel like it, it goes away. And that's, I think for a lot of people, maybe just starting to come back and feel semi-normal. I mean, it's obviously, we're still not out of the woods on on that and performances and all that stuff. A lot of people have figured out ways to adapt around that. But I think that's a really important thing that you said, that it's it's okay to not be inspired sometimes mm-hmm. and to just work to, to figure out what you need to do. If you need to to take time to find that inspiration, that's that's all okay. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because as soon as you said that, that resonated mm-hmm. with me. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly what she's talking yeah. about. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. On top of that, one of the things that we like to ask people about on this podcast, and one of the the reasons that we made this podcast in the first place, is I think that there are a lot of common misconceptions out there among musicians that can sometimes be a trap. So one of the first things that we talked about on this podcast was the idea that in order to have a successful career, all you need to do is have great music, that Mm -hmm. having great music guarantees you a... I don't know, a rocket to success, you know what I mean? And that was one of the things that we wanted to kind of smash as a misconception, that there's all this extra work that goes into that. Is there anything else that you can think of that's a common misconception that many artists may have, or maybe something that you thought at one point in your career that we can sort of debunk?
1: Hmm. I think, honestly, kind of relating to when I was talking about the wedding band, I guess the feeling that To be successful, you have to be playing your original music to sell out crowds. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of quality experience you can get from being in a cover band. I mean, I am a huge fan of Ben Folds and I read his memoir pretty mm. recently and he's talking about how he started as a polka band player and a bassist in a wedding band and doing I didn't know that actually. Yeah, it's it's and I don't think he enjoyed it according to the book, but <laughs> there's like this invaluable experience that you get from doing things that maybe aren't what you're 100% trying to do end game wise mm-hmm. our drummer also plays piano in a church. And it's like there's just so many different ways that you can get those experiences, and it's not a waste of time to try all these different things.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and that it really kind of comes down to how you frame that within your own mental framework of your mm-hmm. career, I guess. How, how you can... Think of something as a benefit to your career and use it in a, a productive way for your ultimate goal. Yeah, I think that's a big thing for a lot of people. And I see that a lot as, like, I teach in a, a music school at a college. For, for me, I'm teaching a lot of people who are looking to be engineers in a studio and they are nervous to go off and have to get something else that's maybe audio related, but not that And they view that as yes. not pushing them towards the end goal, but really everything can be made into an opportunity, even mm-hmm. if it's even if it's outside of the music industry. I think there are a lot of things that can be really, really beneficial to a music career.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So for another tough question mm-hmm. uh, to start wrapping us up a little bit. This is something that I always like to ask people about because there's no right answer. There's no way to have a right answer. <laughs> oh, no, um, <laughs> and that's about the future. Mm-hmm. So, kind of two parts. What does the future look like for you in your career? To start, let's start off with that. Like when when you visualize where things are going to be a year from now, five years from now, what does that look like? I think the
1: ultimate dream is to at least for a small portion of time, be a touring musician. Even if it's not my own music, I would ideally love it to be my own music. But if I was hired to do keys and backing vocals on a tour for somebody that I, you know, enjoyed their music too, I think that would be the biggest thing that I could do with my career. And I I can see myself performing for a very long time and at what capacity that is, I try not to think too much about it because I want to just enjoy whatever capacity it is. Right. <laughs> so definitely touring would be awesome. Playing session music would be great. I'd be happy to you know, be someone that works for a studio and is singing backups for any clients that they have come in. I could eventually see myself teaching lessons, but I don't know. I I teach guitar for a friend of mine's daughter, and that's a really fun experience. And so I think eventually I could see that being part of what my career looks like, too, But and also just recording as much music as possible. So
0: all of that. <laughs> Would you say that's kind of your plan for, for reaching those goals is just to kind of make as much as possible? Like what goes into to getting you to those stages?
1: I think, yeah, just continuing to, to network and make music with other people. Um, I actually just recorded a new single last week and we're going to put it out in December. So that'll be that'll be fun. And also just traveling. So back in January, I went down to Nashville by myself and just like stayed there for a week, researched where they had open mic nights, like met a bunch of people down there. And I think the more people that you can meet and collaborate with, then
0: the easier it is to reach those goals. Absolutely. And then so I guess the second part of the question, which is the one where there's really no answer at all, (laughs) is for the entire music industry. Where do you see the music industry going in the next, whatever, five, let's say five years? Is there anything that you see us heading towards? Or can you make any predictions about what we might see?
1: Hmm. I really hope we can go back to some sort of normalcy when it comes to live concerts. Because, you know, those big venues, that's like... That's the most fun that I have is going to see mm-hmm. like shows at SPAC or even at like the hollow, you know, smaller venues, but still like you're surrounded by people who all want to be there for the same reason. So I'd love to see that. I feel like there's going to be a lot of inventive ideas as to how to do that. In the meantime, I feel like I've seen a lot of like drive-in movie theaters, um, having live music and things like that. I think a lot more live streams and just utilizing technology to keep bringing music to people.
0: Yeah. How do you think that the overall push towards that live streaming, all the ways that people are getting creative during COVID times, how do you think that's going to move forward in the music industry from here? Do you think that's going to kind of fizzle out once we can get back to what everybody's itching to do is like Mm -hmm. go to a show and like be face to face with somebody and, and feel that energy in a room? Or do you think those things will kind of stick around and be able to integrate themselves in with everything else?
1: I think there's definitely a market for them to stick around. I mean, one thing that also was kind of a blessing that came out of COVID was that I started doing little like Instagram live streams every week. Mm-hmm. And I did that for probably like two or three months until I was able to perform live again. But my grandparents back in my hometown were able to watch that every week. People who, you know, just couldn't come out to shows or it just wasn't, I think it's a lot more accessible to be able to hop on your phone and catch, you know, 15 minutes of a show than having to drive somewhere. So I think that was really nice and getting my music out there, too. So hopefully that continues.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point that there, there's a, a convenience factor there that people really were able to figure out how to how to use well mm-hmm. for a career. One of the interesting things to me is that a lot of those things ended up being free Mm -hmm. Uh, it was you could tune into a live stream for free it wasn't something that a lot of people tried to actively monetize or Mm -hmm. or not directly at least yeah so i'm kind of curious to see how that plays out and if some of those things end up going you know like full music industry where like (laughs) it becomes a more kind of strict business model i guess you could say Mm -hmm. or if it, it stays similar to how it's been where it can be kind of a middle ground where people can experience things without being directly asked for money. And if the crowdfunding thing continues the way it has and stuff like mm-hmm, that. For sure. And
1: honestly, I never, I would like mention my Venmo at the beginning of a live stream and would sometimes make more than I would at live shows. And it, that was shocking to me. So it's it's a lot of generous friends and family and fans, but it just shows that people were really appreciative to have
0: that. Right, I think that's really interesting because I've I've talked to a lot of people who have had an experience like that where mm-hmm. just by kind of opening it up as like a eh, if you feel like it, yeah. I appreciate it or however they they frame it and then they're shocked at the end by how much support there is. Yes. And I think that really says something about the music industry as a business and the community around music yeah. because I didn't used to feel this way about it and I've kind of changed my thinking through coronavirus. And seeing this sort of play out is that having a, a strict business model where you're asking for money in exchange for something sometimes doesn't really work with music. Mm-hmm. Like it I, I mean, obviously there throughout history, there have been a lot of kind of examples of that, how it's weird how the payment for music has has played out. Yes. But that's been a really kind of eye-opening thing for me in particular. And we've talked about that with a couple of other people. Riley Simone, uh, who we had on a couple episodes ago, she works for a band who has something similar going on where it's kind of like a, and if you want to support, there's a a jar where you can support. And if you want to buy a CD, it's pay what you want. And Mm -hmm. that works for them. So yeah, I think that's a really cool thing. And I'm excited to see how people take that forward and can turn music more into a community thing Mm -hmm. than a business where it had kind of been going the other direction for for a while, It's really interesting. Yeah. You mentioned that you have a a song or is, is a song or a, uh, an EP or an album that's coming out that you just finished. Just out? a single. So we did one song. It's called "Pressed Flowers," and this
1: one it's funny because I wrote it on guitar and showed it to the guys. They came up with like really great piano-based drum parts to it. And when we recorded it, there's actually no guitar on the recording. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's the same thing that I had kind of mentioned before, where you have this thing then it's it's completely yours. It can be complete. I still play it solo, but then you bring it to a group of talented musicians and they make it something so much different and more. So mm. I'm excited about that. When did you say that's
0: coming out again? That's coming out. It's I think December? we're gonna do
1: December eighteenth, and that's the day after my birthday. So I'll just make everyone listen to it as a birthday Perfect. present. <laughs> yeah,
0: birthday present. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people go to find that? That's gonna be on all streaming services yes. and Social media. What's uh? Where can people find you on social media?
1: So it's just Katie Gallagher Music, and then Katie is spelled a little different than the normal way. So Katie Gallagher Music on Instagram as well as on Facebook. I don't have a website yet, but we're working on that. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> and it's all over uh, YouTube, Spotify, that kind of stuff too.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's C A I T Y. G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R. Yes. Yep. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> and then, so to wrap us up, is there any message that you want to leave our listeners with, any word of advice, or anything else that you have coming up that you want to talk about and let our listeners know about? Um, I think in terms
1: of advice, just kind of some things that we've already touched on. And, you know, letting yourself take the gigs that might not seem like the exact niche that you want to be in, but getting that experience, letting yourself take breaks. And I feel like if you genuinely enjoy what you're doing, it's not going to feel like work. And I think that goes for most things, but kind of keeping that in mind for sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Very good advice. Mm -hmm. Well, Katie, thank you so much. I think we've covered a lot of stuff that our listeners are going to really be able to (laughs) latch on to. And that's going to resonate with a lot of people. Awesome. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. And thank you to all of you out there who are taking the time to listen to this episode.
1: And please don't forget to give us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling extra gracious, feel free to recommend this to a musician friend of yours.
0: Absolutely. We thank you in advance for that. And also go, find Katie on all social media, go check out her music. I think you're going to enjoy it. Thank you so much. All right. And that's all we have for you for this episode. And we will catch you on the next episode of Self Signed Artist. Peace. Bye.